0: Hey there, thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message.
1: Let's pause for a minute and uh, pray for our nation today. Uh significant week ahead. And uh, even as we have shared the table together of the Lord, we recognize together that our unity is not based on our political affiliations or even our uh, views on the economy, but our union is in Christ, and that's permanent, that uh, we are a family not on the basis of our culture or our ethnicity, but we're a family because Christ has taken us into his family and made us sons and daughters of the Most High God, and so whoever ends up winning, uh, we will still be the church, and we will still be uh, under the lordship of the of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, I think we, you know, we each of us can feel a lot of emotions this week. There's a, a level of anxiety in our country. I feel like there's a level of depression. Um, there's. You know, a lot of anger, there's a lot of unrest. And uh, I've never seen it in my 61 years, I've never seen problems solved by the elections. <laughs> Sometimes creative problems, right? But we know, um, we know that uh, our treasure and our citizenship is not here. But our, um, our call from the Scripture is to pray. So let's do that together. Would you bow in prayer with me? Lord, this has been a year of significant revelation. We have seen, um, we have seen the racial injustices... We've seen um, the divides in our country. We've seen very different approaches to fixing problems. And we have seen something we've never seen, this kind of pandemic that we've been through. And even seeing a a new surge has gotten many people concerned, even anxious about what's going to happen next. So we turn not to the United States government, but we turn to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We turn to you, the one who said, All authority is given to me. And we focus our eyes on you today. As a pastor of this congregation, I ask, Lord, that you will lead each person as we go through the emotions of the next number of weeks. As we make choices at the polls. As we make choices in our own lives of how to respond. Even today as we look at this scripture. There is an offer to us of power. Power from the inside out. And so Lord I ask that as we study the scriptures together. That we will not fear the power of outward and temporary things but that we would begin to avail ourselves and access the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Lord, would you be merciful to our country? Would you deal with us according to mercy? Not just according to what we deserve, but according to your mercy, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we get to the seventh lesson that we're having on praying with the Apostle Paul. And today it comes from Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, this is the second of the prayers that Paul prays for the Ephesians in the letter to the Ephesians. So I'd like you to read with me out loud. It's it's three slides, so we're going to do three slides here. So would you read God's word out loud with me? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. A very fitting verse, this one, right? This is one of the verses uh, a lot of you know. I grew up Presbyterian and I was ordained in the Presbyterian church. And we always had benedictions at the end. And this was always my favorite benediction because God can do immeasurably more than I can even ask in prayer and even more than I can imagine. So as we face what's coming up in our nation and in our own lives, it's always good to remember he's able to do more than we can ask and even more than we can imagine. But what we need is that we need our lives, according to what Paul is teaching here, we need our lives so renewed and so reformed by the Word of God That we begin to have a capacity for greater and greater measure of God's power in our lives. And what we're seeing, if you're you're following and tracking along with us in this study on prayer, is that the access, the conduit, of God's power in your life is your prayer life. That without a prayer life, you're operating in your own power. That without a prayer life, you have no access to the power that God wants to lavish upon you from your inside out and so our prayer life is where we mostly need to see renewal and we need to see a reforming of how we pray and even of what we pray why is this so important well have you not noticed that there are things going on in the world that are bigger than you that there are things going on in your family there are there are possibilities right now of negative things that are outside of your control. So if you're going to be able to make a dent in these negative forces that we're up against, then you and I have to become people and we need to produce from our church prayer warriors whose habits in prayer bring about things, don't just pray about things. Some of the people that I've met in the midst of these crises do not think prayer matters. So when, when a young man or a young woman is saying, we got to change our society, and you say to them, well, we need to pray, they, they, they think that's nothing. That will change nothing. Because they've heard people say, let's pray about it. But they've seen no results from praying about it. And that's not because results cannot be gained. It's because we don't pray right. Why am I saying that? Well, throughout the Scriptures, God has proven that His sovereign power is released through His appointed means, which is prayer. Moses was God's appointed prayer warrior. Moses mediated blessings to a people who didn't deserve blessing. I, maybe I'm the only one in the room who thinks this, but I have, I have been to so many political rallies it, it, when I was in Georgia. I've been to so many um, kind of prayer gatherings where people just praised up the hilt the United States of America and, and acted in some ways as if we were this tremendously deserving group of people who nothing bad should ever happen to. Utterly disregarding our sins. The Bible doesn't say, you know, God is going to bless your nation because you deserve blessing. He says, if my people who are called by my name will do what? Praise themselves? No, right? Because God's perspective is when you're praising yourself, you're not seeing your sin. So you humble yourself and then what does it say? Turn from your wicked ways and then pray. It's a fascinating thing that we have not understood how it is so necessary that we begin to be in the place of Moses for your family. Place of Moses for your church. Church place of moses for your community because god by right could wipe us all off the face of the earth our problem is we view ourselves as good people who undeservedly have bad things happen to us have you ever seen that that phrase that says why do good people suffer the better phrase is why are there no good people See what we really are are people who need mercy and we're people who can pursue grace I love the difference between mercy and grace mercy is God withholds what we deserve he doesn't give us what we deserve grace he gives us in terms of blessing and favor and giftedness he gives us what we don't deserve but either way it's undeserved something you can't work for. So the beauty of this is if you'll learn to be a prayer warrior, what you'll be drawing on is the mercy of God, which he loves to give, and the grace of God, which Jesus has fully given to your account already. So you're not trying to persuade an unwilling God. What you're doing is you're going to a God who has done everything so that you can receive mercy and you can receive grace. But the nice thing here, are you tracking with me at all in this? See, the great thing is that like Moses, Moses didn't say, hey, these people don't deserve you wiping them out. He said, God, you are merciful. You see, when even your family are dysfunctional or your church is dysfunctional, which all churches are and all families are. You can still go, God, will you be merciful to my church? God, will you be merciful to my family? Because guess what? You're dysfunctional too. The quicker you realize it, the better a prayer warrior you will become. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Another way to say that all are dysfunctional and have fallen short of the glory of God. For some reason, when we hear we're sinners, we don't get offended. But if I say you're dysfunctional, suddenly you're like, who are you to tell me that? <laughs> do you not know that sin is the ultimate dysfunction? And the ultimate destruction? I mean, you can be eccentric and not go to hell. But sin takes you right to hell. Or not only do I, am I calling you in this series to be like Moses, I'm asking you to be like Daniel. Because Daniel knew that god had a promise that the exile was going to end but he also knew somebody had to stand in the gap see there are promises of god that are waiting for you to be realized in your life there are promises of god that are waiting for you to become the mediator of for your family for the people you love You might be the only one in your circle who knows God, then you're the one He has appointed as the means for the blessing to come. And He works that way. Daniel was the only one who took it on his own heart and said, God, I've sinned against you. Your people have sinned against you, but here's your promise. And when Daniel prayed, the exile ended. He didn't just pray about being in captivity. He brought about the end of captivity. I know I'm asking a lot of you, but I guarantee you if you will follow in this pathway of learning how to pray, you will be a Daniel. The sphere might not be as big as Daniel's, but it'll be in your life, and it'll be in the lives of the people you love. You'll be a Moses. And you'll stand for the promises of God and you'll be the appointed means through which God brings resurrection life. But if I were your enemy, what would I do? I'd get you distracted from praying. I'd get you believing prayer doesn't work. I'd get you believing that you're not a Daniel. You'll never be a Daniel. But here's the thing. The same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus for his ministry is the same Holy Spirit that now anoints you for your prayer. Daniel did not have the Holy Spirit in the way you have the Holy Spirit. Moses did not have the Holy Spirit in the way you have the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal. Paul says this is not a passive reception of power in your praying he actually says that you've got to begin to pray and understand how that power comes into your life and what its purpose is because god will never give his power for any other purpose but his purposes because there will not be illegitimate uses of god's power when somebody who has authority or position abuses that position, they're not using God's power. They're using counterfeit power. This is a problem in, in, in the church. It's a problem in society is that people that get power abuse the power because of their, their dysfunction. Matter of fact, when I was in seminary, I used to look around and say 80% of these students who are next to me should never be entrusted with people ever. but I didn't look at myself too closely either. (laughs) Power is dangerous. So Paul says and explains both how the power is given and how the power is used. And there's a purpose. So here's his request, and this is for you. (laughs) I have a heaviness about this. Because I really believe that if you get this, things can change. Listen to what Paul says. That God might strengthen us with what? Power. Through his spirit in our inner being. That's the first petition. The second one is this, that you would receive the power to grasp the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ. So here's, here's two things, and we're going we're gonna to unpack them a bit here. Here's two things that you will not have the power without the presence of God and without prayer in your life. Your inner being will not be strengthened apart from the power of God. And you will never be able to fully grasp the love of God without power that comes through prayer. Those two things can transform you from the inside out. And the truth is, if these two things are true of you, nobody around you will be unaffected by the power you will have an amazing effect on the environment so there's two power principles that paul unpacks in this prayer and this is what he prays for every believer the first is this paul often if not constantly is praying for power in the believers lives And he prays for it here in the most direct manner. He says that he may strengthen you with power. So in other words, there is available, according to the will and heart of God, there is available to you the very power of God. If you're not experiencing that power, it's because you're not in alignment with what God gives that power to. It is not an issue with God, it's an issue with you. And until we start to say, I really need His power. In some ways, God permits certain circumstances in your life so that you will see you do not have control. Maybe 2020 is one of those years. So, here's what this is teaching. The power of God is never directly given to you it is always mediated through the holy spirit so here's here's the thing you will not have the power of god without submission to the spirit of god if you fear the holy spirit you will never know the fullness of his power if you resist the holy spirit if you grieve the holy spirit if you quench the holy spirit then the mediator of the power of God has been blocked off from your life and you're trying to be moral, you're trying to be good, you're trying to be godly without the power of God. It just doesn't work. That's why oftentimes we come to those moments where we're at the end of ourselves and we realize, I don't have the resources. And then gently, lovingly, the Spirit says, but I do. But where does this happen? Well, scripture says paul says it happens in your inner being it's not a power from the outside in it's a power from the inside out it's your it literally the greek here is the inner man or the inner person so what we're talking about here physiologically this isn't just mystical friends it isn't just for some christians who have some mystical abilities This is really talking about those who are willing to have their right hemisphere of their brain developed. But you know why many of us struggle with the right hemisphere of our brain? Because it's where our emotions are, it's where our memories are, it's where our creativity, our imagination, our intuition. And guess what? Most of you have been told your whole life don't trust your emotions, you shouldn't take that personally. I always go, then how should I take it? All your woundings are in your right hemisphere. All of your pain attached to your memories, right hemisphere. But that's the place. That's your inner being. That's your your innermost being. That's your heart. That's actually the control center of your life. And guess what? That's where the Holy Spirit communicates. If you want to go back to some of the things we looked at in a series called Flow, you can read and and study about how the Spirit works bubbling up from within us. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word for the prophetic is to bubble up. And guess what Jesus said? Out of your belly will bubble up, will flow rivers of living water. Guess what? That's not left-brain stuff left brain is analytical left brain is logic left brain is reason you need both because you need to know is this bubbling up or is it boiling up is this the Holy Spirit or is this a cooked up spirit so you need the left brain involved you need analytics you need reason you need, you need the word of God but here's the thing <laughs> a lot of people don't realize they memorize scripture that's left brain stuff All your pain is right brain stuff. So if the scripture doesn't migrate from the left hemisphere of your brain to the right hemisphere, you have all kind of knowledge of the Word of God, but it's never touched the pain of your life. (laughs) You understand? Uh, So the power is cut off when you won't feel when you won't let it in because you're protecting your pain. It's <laughs> a terrible story and I, I, I think the Spirit's letting me tell it because part of it makes me mad. So I, there's a theologian that I love to listen to and he has, he has some teachings where it's video. And so I'm watching this video and, and he, he's Scottish, so just he's smarter than the rest of us just by talking especially me from the south, you know. And, uh, but I'm listening to him, and I, he's unpacking this revelation of God, and I'm weeping. And it's hitting me deep as he talks about the gospel and he talks about the beauty of, of God's love for us, and I'm feeling it deep in my soul and weeping. And they pan the camera, and it's all a bunch of old white folks all gray hairs, and they're sitting there as if nothing is happening whatsoever. They're not nodding their heads. They're not having tears. They're just sitting there, stone-faced, reserved, unwilling to... They don't even say amen. They do nothing. Do you understand? They have closed off their inner man even to beautiful truth. Then sometimes i watch people from other cultures and from other traditions, and the preacher is preaching total crap. And they're like, amen, yeah, preach it. I'm like, that's total nonsense. But you know what's going on? They've opened up their inner being. Now they need a little more left brain action. But at least they're open to letting truth in. If you're one of those people, you just sit there and you keep the truth out like this, you'll never be strengthened with His power in your inner being. And some of you are so sarcastic, you'll come up to me after, you gave me something to think about today. (laughs) You think it's a biblical gift to be sarcastic. I understand It may be okay for you to defend yourself from me. It is not okay for you to defend yourself from the Holy Spirit. Your right brain is where He speaks, where He bubbles up. And there, you start having the dysfunction turn into healing. And you have the scars turn into beauty. And what used to be your weakness becomes your glory becomes your testimony are you tracking with me in this so let's look at this kind of practically in a way paul says every believer faces an outward reality and 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 what happens is no one can predict what the the outward reality that you're going to face but it seems to be in the course of our lives We face the full gamut of human experiences. We go through joys, we have sorrows, we have trials, we have triumphs, we have times of disappointments and betrayal, and we have times of great fulfillment, but they're all temporary. And here's what Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 4. He's talking about his outward outward self. He says, outwardly we are wasting away. So there's a reality that you can face like the Apostle Paul. Paul faced torture beatings he faced imprisonment rejection he faced persecution in every kind of way people wanted to kill him most every town he was in but here's the thing when you're facing these outward realities where is the inner strength coming from for you to draw on see if your thing is well i should be able just to presume that god's strength is in me paul says no It is not a passive power. It is an actively accessed power that becomes the strength from your inside out. Now, if you think that it is your strength just not to feel, then you will not know joy. If you will not deal with your pain, you will not know passion. Because pain tends to take up a lot of space especially anger, shame, fear. It's very hard to have much room for joy when you're fearful. (laughs) You're like, wow, he is really dense today, isn't he? Are you hearing me? So what I find in 37 years of ministry is very few believers draw on the inner strength that is mediated through the presence of the Holy Spirit, even people who are in more Pentecostal circles, who will be excited about the outward signs of the Holy Spirit but not draw on the inward work of the Holy Spirit. You can speak in tongues and still not be drawing on the mediated power that the Holy Spirit has for each of us. So Paul says we are to be renewed day by day and that there is a possibility that every single day there is resurrecting power for your heart. And Paul says it this way, our light and momentary troubles. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call prison light. I'm not sure I would call the stripes on his back from the, from the beatings light but he called them light. And here's why. He says, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It doesn't feel like COVID-19 is a light or momentary trouble. But when you are before the Lord, you will say this was just a light and momentary trouble. If you will go deep with the Holy Spirit in this period, you will see that this is creating a capacity for glory in you. It is achieving something you cannot achieve on your own. Now, here's the thing. When God is doing this achieving of glory in your inner being, you can either run away from it and run to your distractions, or you can let Him have His perfect work in you. I have to tell you, many times it feels overwhelming. And it's far more tempting to run away from it than it is to say, God, achieve your purposes of glory in me. Because you see, you will not be strengthened by his power if you run away from your present circumstances. Even if you check out mentally or you check out emotionally, it will not have its perfect work in you. And as far as I can tell, this thing isn't going away quickly. So you might as well let it dig deep. Because what Paul says is this is light, and this is momentary. It takes faith to believe that, right? So how is this power experienced then? If you're not fixing your eyes on what is seen, but in the midst of what you're seeing, you're fixing your eyes on what is unseen. Paul says it this way. He says, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, whatever happens to you in the midst of this season of turmoil, Jesus will not let you go. And if you will realize he's ultimate to you, then if you lose everything else, you have not lost what is ultimate to you. But if other things are ultimate and Jesus is just the means by which The provision for those things should come then you will lose your peace you'll lose your joy, you'll lose your strength because if something else is ultimate to you Jesus will never be the means to that end even if that end is your family or your career see most of us the problem isn't that we make our idols out of bad things we make our idols out of good things So, I've watched over my 61 years of being in the church, I've watched those who, when their physical strength is diminished or reduced, I've seen those who have become more beautiful, more radiant, more steadfast. And I've seen those who just get old. And and what I mean by that is they become bitter, bitter. They become critical. They become demanding and spiteful and self-centered. And it is amazing how many churches are filled with old people like this. People who maybe had an experience with Christ but never have ever experienced the strengthening of His power in their inner man because they resisted the Holy Spirit. So what I've found is that age tends to manifest the inner person most definitely, most profoundly. Because when you're young, you can compensate. You ever notice that when someone's cute, they get away with murder? You know, you might say an old person is cute, but it's not that kind of cute. As you get older and your strength is reduced and you don't have the same capabilities, you can't hide your inner person. And so what we have to begin to realize is that what matters in the long term is not your outward appearance, but your inner strength. And that that strength is spiritual in nature, not just emotional, not just mental, but spiritual in nature. And so what Paul is praying for is that you would recognize that every day you can be renewed and that that strength doesn't come from you but it can be experienced by you from the inside out. And so Paul Paul gives three descriptions of renewal. First is this, that you would experience the reality of Christ dwelling in your heart by faith. The second one, to know the love of Christ in an experiential way. And then the third one, to be filled with the fullness of God. Now, Tim Keller, in talking about these three strengthening things elements in in a believer's life he says why does Paul pray this because these are all true of any Christian he's writing to Christians why is he telling these Christians and praying for these Christians that these things that are ours by just being Christians are things you have to pray for well the the fact is you can have something true of you and still never have experienced it in your life. It can be true that Christ is dwelling in your heart, but you've never accessed His indwelling presence. It can be true that His unconditional, infinite love is upon you, but yet you're still living as if you have to approve and as if you have to somehow gain His love instead of receive His love. And because of all the brokenness in our lives, very few of us have much of the fullness of God. And so Paul is saying that it's very easy for a Christian to live their life in a phony, inauthentic, and hollow way without this prayer. And so you may be, you may be saying to me, Mike, you just keep beating up on us. See, I'm kind of sick of hollow Christianity. I I don't believe this next season is going to take an inauthentic Christian. I find people telling me they've rejected Christ, but they've never met they've never met Christ. They've just met people who said they were Christians. I think they haven't seen the real Christ. And I think you and I have to realize that we're not going to get where we want to go for our families, for ourselves for the kingdom of God unless we learn how it is to actually have Christ dwell in our hearts how it is to grasp hold of the love of God and to really understand it and to begin to really live in it I've had people say to me as they committed affairs as they they, uh, went into their addictions and everything like that I've had people say I know God I know his love and I go no you don't Because if you really knew his love, you wouldn't be addicted to something that's not his love. So let's just quit being inauthentic about how much we know of his love and start saying, Lord, I want to know your love. And the fullness, do you understand? You have the third person of the Trinity indwelling you. In other words, the whole fullness of the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all inside you in your inner being. You're not little old you anymore. But you're not living in the fullness of His presence or you would see power like never before. So, here's one example of a man who had this experience great French philosopher mathematician by the name of Blaise Pascal had this experience with God talks about it happened after 10 o'clock at night like 1030 and it lasted for two hours and he called it fire and he said God of Abraham God of Isaac God of Jacob not of the philosophers he was a philosopher not of the learned he was a learned man but he said certitude feeling joy peace forgetfulness of the world and of everything except god he is only found by the ways taught in the gospel joy 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 tears of joy this is eternal life he says that they know you the one true god and the one you sent jesus christ jesus christ jesus christ he then took this experience wrote it on a piece of paper he sewed it carefully into the inside of his jacket it was not found until after he had died, because he had carried it next to his heart for his entire life. And if you study anything about Pascal, he's one of the greatest mathematicians and one of the greatest philosophers that ever lived. But in his heart was the fire of God. And what is, are you still tracking with me on this? I'm getting tired. You gotta draw, draw I gotta draw a little bit from you. Come on. What does this mean? Do you have a spiritual inner sensitivity so that when you hear the beauty of the gospel, when you hear the truth of the word of God, that your heart begins to grasp, I am loved. When you sing songs of love to the Lord, do they resonate with you? This is a spiritual inner sensitivity. This is what it means for Christ to dwell in your heart. It means the things that touch Christ's heart touch your heart. You see, if you keep this a left-brain religion, you keep Christ out. But if you say, I will use my left side to guard my right side and to analyze truth from error, but you allow yourself to feel... The fact you cry is not weakness, it's inner sensitivity to the Spirit. The fact you have joy in an overwhelming joy, unspeakable joy that you can't even describe is your inner sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. The fact you are strong when circumstances should make you weak is revelation, manifestation of an inner spiritual sensitivity. I love this. See, the word grasp, (laughs) to grasp the love of God means that you can hold it, you can grip it. But I know this, what Paul means by that is that it grips you so you can grip it. For someone to say, oh yeah, I know God loves me. They've not grasped it. They've not been gripped by it. It's a life-shattering and yet life-defining thing when the love of God becomes something that you grasp. In the mornings when I wake up, my first words are always always this, and it always surprises me. It just comes out of me. I go, I love you, Lord. But then I... And then immediately, I go, but I love you because you love me. I don't love you because I'm lovable. I don't love you because I had a good day yesterday. For the first time in my life, I don't have to work to get somebody else's love. I wake up in your love grasping me. And then I can't help but respond, I love you back. One of my favorite things is to FaceTime with our little granddaughter, Allie. And, uh, and it, what she really thinks is we're FaceTiming so we can watch her do things. <laughs> Not a conversation. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, the, the funny thing is iPad can't keep up with her. You know, so she's off the screen all the time. So after a while, I give up. And I go, I'm going to go say goodbye and I, I'll go okay I love you Allie love you too <laughs> and so I go I, I try to make her I say okay say I I love love you Now I'll say I love you love you too <laughs> <laughs> and the Lord's been speaking to me he says that's the way you respond I tell you I love you. All my resources are at your disposal. I tell you that you are the apple of my eye. And all I can get you to say is love you too. And then run off and play. You have to grasp hold of what has taken hold of you. And it has to be more than friends. It has to be more than just a reflex, love you too. It has to be, I love you. And you see, what this teaching on prayer for this week is about is you can't do that without asking. Like you can't go, God, I'm going to love you. No, God, I pray that you will help me to grasp the love that has grasped hold of me so that I can love you. God, I ask that you would sensitize me spiritually from the inside out to the mediating work of the Holy Spirit so that His power mediated in my heart then becomes the strength of my heart and the strength of my life. You see, this isn't something you work on. This is something you pray for. And guess what? It's the will of the Father to do it. Isaiah, will you come and close? This? Are you hearing me this morning?
0: Oh, man. Such a powerful word. Now, as I'm sitting back there listening to P. Mike, it's so easy to hear this and go, yeah, that's nice. If that could actually be a thing that would be nice but we leave it at that we leave it as just a passive thought and so I really would love to pray over you as as we end our service that this wouldn't just be a passive notion of all oh, that would be cool but this would really become our active reality your active reality my active reality so if you would just extend your arms, you can stay seated. Just extend your arms. I'd love to bless you with the prayer. Father God, right now, it is your power that we need. It is your power that we need. Nobody else's power. Just yours. We have been designed to live with the lifeblood of your love in us. It's what you've made us for. And God, in a world that fools us into thinking we have some sort of power by living for ourselves, we've we've been filled up with all this junk in our hearts that stops us from being able to receive the only thing that truly matters, which is your power and your love. So, God, our prayer today is that you would come and you would help us to clean our hearts out. Our prayer is for power, but we need to make room to receive what you want to give to us. So would you help us, Father? By the power of the Holy Spirit, may anger be addressed. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may pain be addressed the power of the Holy Spirit may suppress sadness, finally see the light. That we might be able to receive the love that makes no sense, that is unmeasurable. God, in a world where it just feels like there's anger and rage and madness, we want to be loving people who are confident our Lord and the Lord that is alive in us today. So I call us, Father, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, out of passivity and into activity, God, would you have us come alive, Father? Bring us alive, Lord. May we live our lives with purpose on purpose, for it is what you have made us for. Would you you give us moments where we get to interact with your love in a way that we have our own prayers like what we just read on the screen? Joy, joy, joy. Church, we are so glad that you were able to join us today. And if you're watching online, we're so glad you could tune in. Um, As you're heading out, just want to remind you that we have the offering box right there in the lobby on your way out so it doesn't skip your mind. We love you guys very much and we'll see you next week.